Listen here, Bogue. You gotta stand up straight. I know you say sitting down hurts your back, but you're never gonna get a pretty orc if you sit down and slunch everywhere. I already have a wife. And a dwarf. What the hell's... What do you mean you got a dwarf? I mean, uh, my wife is a pretty orc lady... Uh, she she doesn't. No 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 no. The dwarf. I I get the wife. I understand the wife. What what's with the dwarf? Hey, he's my bestest buddy too. You besides know. you guys, you know. But, <sighs> Look, but he does. Can you make any sense of this? What's what's with the dwarf? Is that the guy in the black suit with the zippers on his mouth? Yeah, and and, and I I mean, it's kind of annoying. When I wake up after I spend a night with him, my butt always hurts. I don't understand it. You know what? Some things I've I've yet to figure out. Why do I even bother asking? Oh, welcome back. This is Chef Bog and the Pirate Captain's Recipes of Everything. And always in just a, because he's not in the title, doesn't mean he's less of important here. We do have Loke the Bard. He is now a mainstay with the show. He will always be here with us as, as much as he wants to be. Uh, we, we didn't kidnap him and take him from his children and bring him here, did we there, Bog? <laughs> take the gag out of his mouth, buddy. You were oh, supposed no, to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to another episode of Chef Bog and Pirate Captain's uh, Recipes for Everything. I, you know what I didn't mention in the last episode a couple weeks ago? Hmm. We did not talk about it being our 10th episode. Oh, wow. That's a, it's a minor milestone. You know, there are other podcasts out there that have hundreds and thousands of them, but we made it to number 10. Yeah. I mean, that is a big milestone. A lot of smaller podcasts just don't make it that far. So, hey, hey. we're doing something, right? It took us a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was I, a pandemic. We got, we got, pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> pandemic, cancer, oh, the army, like you name it. We, because there was, there was a couple episodes. We were trying to get something done back in May when I was uh, on my way to Croatia for Defender Europe. So, honestly, yeah. it's been as hard as trying to schedule a weekly D and D game. Oh man. <laughs> So when you guys, when you guys get like, obviously we're all in a group chat. We just like, we're all friends we, we know each other's families and stuff like that. We show up to each other's kids' well, birthday only parties. One of us has been able to meet with a certain person's family. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like, that is my trump card to everything and nobody will be able to beat me on that one until something. I'm telling you when we, when we finally show up to his wedding and his mom meets the rest of y'all, it's going to be hilarious because she's just. Wait a minute. Should we get into where the Loke is trying to hit on that guy's mom? That's the long-running fan theory. Like, if this was an episode of something, that, that would be the fan theory is that. I think that's the real reason I haven't met her, because I think he's scared. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be a little awkward having to explain to it. So do we? Hi, does, I'm this is my wife and my boyfriend and my boyfriend and my boyfriend. <laughs> I just want I just want to imagine like because he hasn't been on the show, so we haven't given him a character name. You know what? We're gonna call him the Boulder for right now because that would the Boulder. The Boulder would probably be his favorite character, but the Boulder, um, the Boulder's mom, <laughs> the Mountain. Imagine like having to come up to him and Loke's like, "Yep, this is uh, this is my wife, the Mountain, and my uh, stepson, the Boulder." <laughs> oh, that would Ooh, be awesome! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I, I I'm gonna make sure that he knows that this episode is hitting the market because I want to know under oh, a yeah. mountain to a whole new. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, we love you, Boulder. We do love you, the Boulder. Oh, but hey, this is our episode. Make sure if you're out there listening to this that you come find us wherever you can. Email us to talk to us about the show, what you do and don't like. Uh, the Facebook fa- page, Chef Bolg and Pirate Captains, Recipes for Everything. Uh, you can find the links in the podcast information down below. Uh, we do have a fun show for you today. Uh, I We were talking uh, a little bit in between uh, the break between this show and last show about something that we wanted to talk about. Um, and you were talking about how to make sorcerers better. Yeah. I know this has kind of like been your big deal. So I'm going to let you explain that one too. I'm going to sit over here and drink Uh, my coffee. The last, uh, the previous episode, we were talking about, um, some of my homebrew and there's one I wanted to get into that we unfortunately didn't get into. Uh, but I, I'll get into it a little bit now. What I think sorcerers main problem is, is they don't have like quite the niche they should. I feel like, uh, had brought up a good point. They should maybe be um, tied to a certain element per subclass. Well, I mean, yeah, because you've got what the Sorcerer Storms that does that, and where they're they really are they're tied to um, the, the Shadow Magic, I guess. But I and the Draconic Bloodline, I think, are your only ones that are really tied to elements. And if you're if you're really thinking about about an element, but um, but uh, yeah, if you listen to the last episode, you know our problems with the Wild Mate. Oh, the wild sorcerer. That yeah. you're destined to kill somebody yeah. and or yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing with the elements, though, we off the air before we started here, we were talking about uh, if you tie a, a, a line to, say, lightning, for example, there are currently no second level lightning spells. So, yeah. could, so could you... Re- you'd have to reskin something. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you're a fan of reskinning because yeah. you've allowed me to reskin a couple yeah. things to kind of fit the aesthetics so of characters. Lightning sphere. Maybe like yeah. yeah, or maybe a the flaming a, a spear that does ball. lightning damage. Yeah, lightning ball. Yeah. <laughs> just, but I mean, I guess if you could create a sorcerer, which I think is what you've done here, Bog, uh, you've created a probably a sorcerer that it adds that flair of magic that goes with its element. So go ahead yeah. and let's get let's dig more into this. I'm going to stop interrupting. Well, it, it, it's not even really elements. That I actually have a uh, school of wizards that actually goes into the elements because. Wizards, have, again, last episode, we have wizards don't fill a niche, and uh, that was the one I chose to do instead of sorcerers. But with sorcerers, I chose catalyst magic, which is something from my world. Uh, catalyst magic is the basest form of magic. You take a flint and some steel, smack them together, get a spark, boom, now you've got a firebolt. Right. You know? So what, I'm, what I do with the sorcerer is just overall took away all the spells. If All right, so hold on. So let me let me stop you right there. You're taking the spells away from a spellcaster class. I'm Ooh. taking the leveled spells. Okay. So is it it's becoming like a warlock? Cantrips. All so, of it. So you can only cast cantrips or everything becomes a cantrip? You can only cast cantrips. Okay. Now, but where you get is you get the ability to take sorcery points from either spells that are done to you or from friends or from enemies and then you can empower your cantrips with those sorcery sorcery points. And it at the biggest disadvantage of a spellcaster is you have a limited number of spell slots. This is a continuous caster. They don't have well, to worry about that's, that. But kind cantrips, of thing. Cantri- you're, you're never going to run out of can- cantrips. Or if you're uh, somebody who played the older games and you're listening to this podcast, it's the zero spells. Uh, you never run out of cantrips. Yeah, you never do. But right. the problem is you only get a certain number. This anytime that you would learn a spell. You get more cantrips. Hmm. So, and it's from any spell list. Okay, but here's the issue: um, cantrips have a real scaling problem. 
All right. Uh, yeah. One of my issues with cantrips is that, it, what is it, like every four levels or so they get a, a, a minimum of an upgrade? Like five yeah. levels, I think it is. It's like five, ten, and fifteen um, that they get an extra hit die. But that doesn't do a whole lot. The only one that really does anything, and you even have to give it a little bit of a bump, is the uh, Eldritch Blast, and that's because of the Warlock. So how are you going to create damage for something? Like, And I get it, D&D is not always about a damage game, but sometimes you're going to have to fight. Well, let's jump to 6th level then. I have full power catalyst. At 6th level, you learn to use your catalyst gloves to full effect. Whenever you cast a cantrip, you may spend 2 sorcery points to increase the damage dealt by 1 damage die or increase your spell save DC by 2. This effect can be stacked but not combined. So you could, if you were saving up your sorcery points, spend 6 sorcery points and now you've got 3 additional damage dies on that cantrip. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense, and it adds up. I, I, I'm just worried that you're going to get, like, let's say you have a longer-running campaign. Uh, Loke, on average level, what do you think your campaign ends at? What's the average level? About well, 14. Yeah, uh, we've, we've skewed lower can, yeah, recently. Th- this this most recent campaign is ending at 12, um, so that's that's throwing off the average down a little bit, too. So that's yeah. about 14. Yeah. Okay, so once you get to that level, though, you, you're you're st- Sorry, uh, you're still losing out on quite a bit of power that's going to help you survive. Because that you're almost you're you're not god tier. You're kind of what's uh what's be- right below a god, um, demigod. You're demigod level essentially. Yeah, and that's that's the point of the of the class is you're not going to have the big explosive spells of a wizard, but then you also have more utility because you have more cantrips at your fingertips. I want to see something like a. <laughs> My only issue with this is when you're talking about the gloves, it makes me think, because what makes a sorcerer and a uh, wizard different um, is that sorcerers are naturally, they're naturally born. Uh, In the last episode, I equated it to to basic down. It was like a Harry Potter reference. Um, Harry, he obviously didn't know he was in magic, but once he found out, everybody believed him to be this great thing. But it was—it was the wizard who would have been uh, Hermione. She learned over time. She learned how to be this great wizard uh, versus Harry, who was just kind of like lucky and he just happened to do the right thing. So, wiz- uh, sorcerers are naturally kind of like the—it's bloodline or it's infused in them or something like that. They are—they don't learn the spells. But with the way you're talking, it's kind of like they're getting their power from somewhere else. Does that make sense? What they're doing is the gloves are there as a catalyst for improving what they already know. So the first time you get them is actually um, uh, level two. Additionally, you gain a set of catalyst gloves. These gloves help make casting your cantrips faster. That's basically all they do. Starting at second level, while wearing these gloves, you may cast a second cantrip as a bonus action, but if you do so, you may not use sorcery points this turn. So you can choose to cast two cantrips. Well, second level, that's pretty OP. I like the finger guns that you're doing. Well, yeah, because uh, this is all based on... put the safety on those finger guns, all right? Oh, shit, my bad. Um, (laughs) But this is all based on my catalyst mage from my world which is in my system which is completely different there's no right. sorcerer there's no wizard all spellcasters are labeled mages so well i mean mage is just a general term for casters anyway what do you think of this look how yeah, do you th- feel this, this is a very world specific uh homebrew it, it it is something designed specifically for his world based on the novels that he is putting together in his head or individual game sessions he's put together for his players um, so it, it's going to have to have different rules than the normal 
thing. It, it's just like if you play, if you tried to play a homebrew of The Witcher, The Witcher's not going to follow the normal D and D rules right. for a normal subclass. So you're going to have to t- you you start with something and you tweak it. So well, he, that's. He started with a sorcerer, and he's and he's tweaking yeah. it. I, I, I can figure on that. I just I feel like I, I guess it goes back to your like you're saying with the world that you know the world may not be as tough as a as a different world. So well, and this when I was playtesting these, this by far was the most popular. People loved this. Yeah, and and it was we would go for a very very quick set of sessions from 1 to 20 to ch- test everything one one of the problems with spellcasters in D&D and a lot of the new players new players you're coming in with much more of a video game mentality they yeah. want to be able to come in and, and and shoot that firebolt every time like hey, mash the x button right you know? <laughs> mash the x button when they come in so by making a a cantrip focused caster who can just you know uh Limit break every now and then to make those camp trips more powerful. Yeah, putting it in video game terms. All right, you know, where you're 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 attacking, you're attacking, and then you hit them with the bigger, harder punch. But you don't have to worry about tracking spell slots. And well, it, uh, in Tactical Turtle, if you're one of our listeners, by all means, put on the Facebook page what Elroy did <laughs> uh, to what I thought was going to be a party wipe. Please make sure you guys, yeah. Make sure you guys go to the Facebook page at Chef Bulg and Pirate Captains Recipes for everything. You can find us by searching that up. The link's also down at the bottom of the description, and we're gonna have our homebrew stuff. We will be interacting with you guys if you post on here. Uh, tell us what you do and don't like about the show. I, I'm just, I like I said, I'm not. Like, I I love the idea of homebrews. I love the idea of creating stuff. I just I, I think in the last episode a couple weeks ago we were talking about how. Um, how power creep can be a thing, but what if you're what if you're not powerful enough? Like, what if you don't even bring anything to the party? Yeah. Like, that's a big thing. Like, what what like, you should have a role in the party. And actually, there's an anime out there that I that I've started watching over on Funimation that kind of had that same thing where they felt um, that the guy wasn't bringing anything to a party, so he's like, fine, I'll just leave on my own fruition. And then he go, he's out there and he's running a uh, apothecary shop right now. It's a really good one. I recommend it. I couldn't tell you the name off the top of my head, but um, that's that's something. Like you should be, you, you should want to bring something to the table. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be damage. Uh, and we'll go around the room real quick. What is your what is one thing that somebody in the party needs to absolutely do that is not damage? Let's start with you, Bulg. Um, and let's also take away healing out of the party too, because I want to kind of like I don't want it to yeah. be too simple. The, the healing is the other is damage. It's just in reverse. Okay, <laughs> we call it reverse damage. For me, it's knowing your role and and role play situations. You you should know. But that's what not your, no, your your party needs a face. I think. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. So yeah. yeah. All right. You need a face. So and and that's kind of yeah. You need to have the face. You need to know where you're supposed to be with the faces talking. That kind of thing, because if everybody's trying to be the face, there's going to be issues. There's yeah. Not so, only interpersonal, right. but with so like sometimes a, those issues are are half the fun. Too. Yeah, that yeah. is true. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken I, like a true DM. Yeah, in in a current campaign we're playing, in my my I'm playing a murder hobo. Yeah, uh, <laughs> literally, he's a hobo who murders people. <laughs> but uh, he thinks he's the face of the party. But and is always screwing things up for the party. My character quite literally had to slap her hand over his mouth <laughs> to keep him from saying his full title that he's come up with. That he's given himself. Yes. I, that's fine. Self-imposed yeah. titles are still titles. Yes. 
Um, all righty, all righty, Luke. What do you think is something that every party needs outside uh, of healing and uh, damage? Well, you guys know I don't use a lot of the the traps and the the gotchas that. But every, every party needs somebody who can check for traps. <laughs> check for traps! <laughs> oh, man. We usually just call that the face tank, otherwise known as Bolg. Bolg, you're pretty good at finding all the traps that we don't, we aren't really yeah. looking for. Well, that one time we walked into a corridor and I sprang a, a what was it, the ice wall trap that fell from the ceiling. Yeah. And basically everybody was bloody at that point but me and broken. <laughs> yeah. And I'm laughing while they're all still trying to heal themselves up. Oh. So uh, everybody needs a chat, trap checker, and I think that's yeah. actually where rogues, and there's a topic we were talking well, about a couple of weeks ago that I want to get into later. Old but. school rogue, that was a rogue job. New, modern rogues, there is not a trap checking. The thief, I think, is uh no. Nope. Yeah, let's no, take a look. He, he's a, a utilitarian usefulness. He's got wall climbing. He's got a... Uh, Use tools type stuff, but he does not have. So uh, if anybody wants to, wonders where I get a half my information from when we talk about this, I always uh, I reference the D&D wiki dot. They're really good about referencing whether something is a uh, home is an unearthed arcana or what it is. Um, so that's where all my all the information from us comes. And you're right. There is nothing fast hand starting at third. Well, thieves tools uh, to disarm yeah. traps. So starting at third well, yeah, level, you, you can use your thieves bonus tool, action. All, all, yeah, all rogues get proficiency in thieves tools. Right, and thieves tools can be used to disarm. Yeah. But but here it is. Here's the reading. Fast hand starting at third level. Mm -hmm. You can use the bonus action granted by your cunning action to make a dexterity slide a hand check. Uh, use your thieves tools to disarm a trap or open a lock or take the use an yeah. object action. So you can check. So that that is making disarms traps a bonus action instead of an action. That is all that is basically saying. All right. So <laughs> yeah, I, I guess there is no proficiency, but there yeah. is a feat that actually helps you with that. And yeah. we talked about but feats last that's time. That's the thing. Anybody, any any character class can now be your. Your trap, Your trap guy. Okay. Yeah. Now, and you know, especially in the in a world that now has artificers, uh, I'm I'm actually surprised we've not seen a a trapsmith artificer. Yet. Yeah, that's that is uh, like something that's like that, with a net or something. And, and in the you know worlds of fantasy literature, that that trapsmith is a that's a pretty iconic. Yeah, that's, artificer a, that's a major class. role. Yeah, and, and I, I'm like I said, I'm just surprised we've not seen that one come out yet. All right. When it comes to me, something I think that every party needs is somebody who somebody who's good at nothing but great at something. And it's different than a bard. And when I say somebody who's good at nothing but great at something, um, I'm talking more of just kind of like your traps things. But they're good at it. It refers more to the skills that you saw back in uh, Pathfinder or like older versions when you had more like dungeon crafting or spell crafting. So somebody who's like, um, I really don't cast a whole lot of magic, but damn it if I can't make a bunch of good scrolls so my friends can do things like that. Somebody who provides support to the party uh, through like their downtime. Like that's what they do. My downtime is all about getting everything ready, whether I'm helping getting a securing a deal for some rides or something. Not the face exactly. Because the face is the guy that's always there at the front. Doesn't matter if in our down if we're in a in an action scenario, he's leading the charge to battle. Or yeah, the, the face is the talker. You're looking for the doer. Yeah, <laughs> I think every party really does need a doer, and I think everybody sometimes forgets yeah. that there's things that need to be done during your downtime. There's a lot of preparation that people forget. For, person who gets the party's 
potions for the whole party yep. so that you don't ha- spend three hours role-playing each individual character going to a different <laughs> church looking for potions. Why is it always the church is getting the potions? Yeah. Uh, but it, that's something I think. We need somebody who's not really good at at either healing or battle, but they're really good about you know being the support the support element. Uh, no, no battle was ever won without your support yeah. element. Even old um, Sun Tzu says that logistics are the reason that people win war. So I need, I think and you need a logistical phase. Old school, like second edition, that was more what the bard was. Yeah, your he, logistics. He, he was more of a support because the only magic he could do was illusion magic. He couldn't do all magic. Yeah. Uh, his abilities actually gave. Like modified the mood of the room. Uh, they buffed the like he would do combat songs to buff yeah. the teammates during combat. You know, it was uh, Tom Bombadil, not yeah, yeah. A that's mage. that's yeah. the homebrew I would like to see is a bar, a, a bard that they bring back that you know does something like that. That the old second edition that is the you know I'm playing a song of sorrow, so it gives uh, it everybody in the room goes to. Degree sadder. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like, you know, anybody, uh, every, even, yeah, even your uh, party members have to make a, a save against your charisma. They get an advantage because they know you're singing the song. Um, but they have to they have to beat your charisma save. Otherwise, they, anybody who doesn't takes like a, um, uh, they lose their proficiency for their, uh, for that turn or something. Like, I, I would like to see that, like a bard that's more of a bard and not just like, a, oh, hey, I'm good at this. I believe the closest one currently would probably be the glamour bard. Yep. Oh, uh, they're 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 the ones that are more like ha. When I yeah. honestly, when I think of a I, glamour I think, bard, I think the I'm na- thinking I of think RuPaul. That's what I was gonna say. I think RuPaul the name of them uh, hurts Frankenfurter <laughs> hurts them so much that people don't play them, even though they 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 are more the traditional bard. I think they subclass. weren't they weren't going for RuPaul. They were more going for Elton John, but still. Yeah. <laughs> nah, dude, I think RuPaul's better than Elton John anyway. I love, uh, and not to get sidetracked into like different things that I like enjoying, but RuPaul's been doing a lot of cartoon voiceover work lately, and he's mm-hmm. absolutely killing it. Um, but I think I can see what you're saying. Uh, Mantle of Inspiration, when uh, as a bonus action, you can expend one of your art- bardic inspirations to grant yourself a wonderful appearance. You do so, choose a number of creatures that you can see uh, within 60 feet of you, uh, equal to your charisma modifier. Each of them gains five temporary hit points. Uh, yeah, th- so they're buffing the party. I want to yeah. see something more that does. Just in general, like, hey, here's a list of, of songs or a list of dances or something. Here's a, here's a, uh, the, the Iliad and the Odyssey, and you tell these stories, and it, it inspires your party. Yeah, and I think that's something they lo- – when, when they combined where all spells are now the, the same – like, it doesn't matter if it's ca- Divine Cast, Arcane Cast, or Psionic Cast, Mage Hand is still Mage Hand. Right. Um, when they did that combination, that's one of the things I think you lose because the bards, all bards' magic was song based. Yeah, you know it. It is you are not casting fireball. You are singing the song of flames. No, and flames are just appear. Your voice is so hot that it's yeah. So maybe <laughs> even making not even so much as home brewing yeah. a uh, home brewing a new barn cl- uh, bard bard. Um, what do you call it? Subclass. Subclass. Maybe a, a bard spell list. Like you have to like you you put of of fire, and the only reason I say it's going to be blank of fire. So now I can put in um, it's the dance of fire, or it's the the right. battle hymn of fire, or the concerto, whatever you're playing. Because uh, like one of my favorite bard inf- instruments is honestly the violin. I don't like the mandolin. I just I feel like. 
I imagine Charlie Daniels beating the devil. <laughs> Just and that's how I imagine like a really fun like kick-ass bard. Um, I can honestly see that song being like a fire song too, just as he's playing it, yeah. fire shooting from the the fiddle. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I think that maybe a lot of them should be like be able to be choose chosen as maybe not the the quite as big of a spell list as they have now, which is one of the reasons why lore bards are kind of broken, which we've brought up in the past. But, yeah. Um, but having a smaller spell list, but they're all basically rituals. They don't cost spell slots, but you have to play for that entire time. For that thing to, to get the working. effect, yeah. I'd give him. I, I yeah. like even with that ritual too. I'd give him a little bit of a bonus effect to it. Something that makes it unique to being a bard that the other classes can't do. And you got in taking away from the bard. How often does your bard ever use the song of rest? My uh, bard never, yeah. never, because you because uh, we end up into yeah. we always. Uh, it all. I think it always started back to one of my favorite ideas as a as a DM was the Goodberry plus one. And the only reason I called it the Goodberry Plus One was because it was an item that helped. Cont- it's great for like Adventures Guild because it kind of helps keep people moving. What it does is it restores um, it restores your lowest level spell slots to max, so that way you can kind of keep adventuring on. You're not always having to stop and take a long rest because obviously some classes just don't benefit off the short rest like yeah. the Warlock. Uh, so. That's something that that's helped out, but the song of rest we don't ever do it because we end up always making we find that one room or something. Because yeah. any party worth its salt's got to have a cleric in it, and the cleric gets nothing off the short rest, so you wind up taking a long rest. Yep, <laughs> every that's, time. That's, anyway, that's, that's, I beg to differ. Uh, I think I think a good party could be without a cleric. Well, nah. I think that's just a, a failure of the rest system in Five E. Is that nobody takes short rests. Nobody and, bothers with it. Yeah, because you only have rest. you have one class that honestly benefits. But there's it's hard to take long rest when you're dungeon delving. Uh, and this is honestly something that I don't even like, even in your campaign, Lokes, is the fact that we end up leveling up in the middle of a dungeon. How do we learn stuff when we're in the middle of a dungeon? Sure. I uh, like I, like I said on last uh, the last episode, I'm back to playing uh, a little bit of. Uh, the Burning Crusade classic on WoW, and you have to go in and level up your spells randomly. Every two levels, you're going to level up. Uh, even some, you're going to get a couple new spells, but you're going to be leveling up a lot of your old ones. So, uh, still playing the Shaman, uh, I have to level up my totems, so they do more for me. What I'm missing out with. What you've got going on is the fact that I'm in the middle of a dungeon. I've been in here for probably a, a week or so because it's that big of a dungeon. But I leveled up. Uh, come next cam- ne- next episode of the campaign, and how did I learn all this stuff? Yeah. How did I all of a sudden just be like, oh, you know what? I couldn't figure this out before. So how? Like, well, well that's uh, that's actually something I was thinking about randomly the other day. Um, something that was from from Oblivion to Skyrim, they changed the leveling up system. Yeah. Whereas in Oblivion. You got your level. You had to find some place to lay down, to rest, and to think, and that's how you leveled up. You reflected you on that. Your, you reflect yeah. on your your purpose. Now it's just like, oh, now I look up at the sky and, hey, now I can level up. No, See, that's the rest is for me reflecting on your experiences, and that's how you level up. Yeah, and I, I've become a big fan of lit RPG novels recently, and uh, you know where the leveling up is part of the universe. You're not actually learning in skills like we do in our world. It's part of the magic of the world. 
And so when you hit that experience, you're magically growing stronger. <laughs> and that's the way I'm doing it now. I see. I, it, it just it, it kind of like I think breaks the breaks the meta of the universe. Essentially, you're almost coming out of character while you're still your character. You're sitting there and you're like all around in the, this little hobble. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, by the way, I can um, I can all of a sudden cast this spell that I never knew I could cast all up until this point. It's kind of like when you, you like watching an anime and all of a sudden the guy remembers, oh, yeah, this one thing that I remember training about like years ago all of a sudden holds precedence right now. And you're like, you couldn't have thought about that like, I don't know, three episodes ago and saved me the time. Well, you know, I do require... For example, if you learned a third level spell and, and your new spell is Fireball, which you need the Bat Guano, if you're in the middle of the dungeon when you leveled up, you don't have that Bat Guano. Okay. That, that is that is in something I explain in all my Zero sessions as well. I um, You got the spell slot. You've got the ability to cast that Fireball. You may even have the knowledge because you've been working on this in your spare time for you know, however long. And Yeah, that's, that's where I But you don't go. have the Bat Guano. Until you get out and go buy some or find a bat that's crappy on them. I think it's that implied background stuff. Like when when you're traveling, you could be, you know, practicing the motions, the words of a fireball spell yeah. without actually being able to do it. And then when you finally get to that point where you're like, I think I'm ready. And that's when you level up and then you can the, do it. The two hours your character's on watch during the long rest, yeah. during that week you're in the dungeon... And I'm going to use I'm going to use this one to segue into the next point. Uh, this is the one way I've actually enjoyed somebody doing it, and it it, it kind of seemed um, it kind of seemed weird that you would do that this way. But in, in an adventures guild uh, that I I played in, uh, they would actually make you buy not only your spells but your skills too, the things that you learned as your class. Uh, it wasn't expensive. It wasn't like you were going to spend. Um, a gold piece to learn something, um, but you had to be trained by somebody uh, of your of your class. So if I was a warlock, um, I had to go find somebody in my. Not only did I have to find somebody that was a warlock, and they also had to be a part of my patron um, to teach me the next thing that my patron wants to show me. Somebody who's a master of it. Well, that works very well in small party situations, and when you're using staggered experience. Actually, so if you're the only one leveling up this week. I mean, even then, no. I think it's you can take the time to go do it. Well, I, I was thinking that two of the few classes that don't that shouldn't have that problem are clerics and warlocks because it's like, okay, I think you're ready to learn this next bit of information. Wizards, yeah. wizards are pretty good at that because they don't learn everything every level. There are a few. I mean, of them, though, wizards suck. can. Well, you brought it up uh, the last episode. Wizards can look at a spell and write it down. They could be a ninth level spell and they have it in their book. They can't cast it, but they yeah. they have access to it. I um. I just the the adventures guild way they did it. I thought was yeah. But was it's unique. just with a a party of eight, a four hour block that you're playing with. Yeah. To spend an hour of that block handling the level ups. Every one every week that would get repetitive if you know somebody's yeah. leveling up every week, but you know a party of three. And, and I, you, I, I and, think even even with a, gr- a bigger size party, I think that's a, still a viable option. Like you, it keeps just, people from just think how long it takes them to get their potions when they go to the town. Sometimes you got to streamline things. Like yeah. eventually, some people like, and I get some people want to role play, but sometimes you have to admit, like, hey, look, for the benefit of the party, right? Here, let's do the roles. And, and, and that that's what I, I'm calling this. I'm calling it streamlining. Okay. Very, Stream, streamlining for party size. You, you, you beat me with my own, Yeah, you beat me with my own argument. Fair enough. 
But I do want to go into the Adventures Guild. A couple uh, a couple weeks ago, when we were on our way back from lunch, we were talking about that um, Adventures Guilds. The, uh, we were on our way to lunch. Uh, the the goods and the bads of Adventures Guilds. And I thought we made some pretty good points. And I want to see we, maybe if there's anybody out there, if you've been in an Adventures Guild, make sure you drop a comment uh, and let us know what you think about it. I we don't we don't mean Adventures League. We know plenty of you have been in Adventures League, but an Adventures Guild completely different. Yeah. Um, but we can go over the, the structure of that type of thing so that everybody understands what the difference is. But what do you guys think is like the best thing of, okay, what are you, what, what is the best thing about an Adventures Guild and what's the worst thing? Uh, and I, instead of starting with me, best buddy Bog, I'm going to actually go over to Loke and see what you think. Cause you're a D, you're an active DM constantly. I want to see what you think about it. Well, the, for the player, it is very player focused. It is, it is very good for the player. You can, Pop in this week, miss four weeks, pop back in, and you're in a game. You you know you don't have anything to do at that time. You go in, you play. Uh, you know if you're busy, no big loss. Um, it, it's very. It makes it easy. It makes it easy to be a player. Right. Now the the flip side to that is it makes it very hard to be a DM. Because you you've got to do more of a more your your stuff has to be much more generic because you don't know who's showing up this you, you know yeah you've got a, a a party of five first level characters but or, I mean or you have you that's know, that's the same thing with yeah. um with even in a thing you never know who's going to show up because you know life happens and we right. and I understand that but as a as a player, even in the Adventures League, I think that's uh, that's a normal problem for even DMs in the in a regular campaign like you've yeah. got. Yeah, it, but in in that campaign, you have a scripted. Okay, you know, Bulg is going to be playing a barbarian, right? You know, uh, pirate captain's going to be a swashbuckler. You 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 know what these elements are. So when you build the treasure hoard, you're giving. Okay, Bulg uses a mall, so we're going to put a plus one mall for Bulg to find. And <laughs> <tend> you, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know these things as the DM when you're preparing for the. Uh, you know, in, in these adventure guild, you don't know what's going to show up. All right. Uh, if you're you're sitting at a table and it just happens that everybody brought spellcasters, and, and you rode a, a melee heavy, you know, oh, you gonna learn today? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So you either you're you're gonna. Ha- I mean, it's great for improv. It helps you get learn those improv skills. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, so because because you have no you no idea what's going to sit at your table. Uh, and I and I don't mean what as far as the actual people. I mean their characters. I see because <laughs> they could literally be anything. All right. Yep. So all right, all right, Bolg. What do you think? What do you think are the banes and the boons, or the anti blesses and the blesses of? Uh, well, well, the the last adventurous guild we did was actually set up by me. Right. So all of that creating the world, all the stuff that our our uh, friend who may eventually get in here. Oh yeah, uh, no, he he's, knows, he's coming he's in in January. He's, he's as intimate with that even more so than I am because he was doing it for a long time before we, we even showed up to it. Yeah, he's actually um, the one that kind of brought us all together. Yep. But it, it, as, the, as the DM who was in charge of all of that, yeah, there's a lot that, that rides on that, and you've got a plan for all of these random people showing up. Maybe they're only there for one week, one one-shot, and they get this special item nobody else gets. How do you balance that? How do you, What do you do with that? Yeah. Um, so... Basically, it's it's up to you to kind of go. Mm, maybe you don't do those magic items as often or at all. Yeah. I I can count on one hand how many times I handed out a magic item. 
during the two-year stint we were playing the Adventurers Guild. I want to put a pause and ask this question. Is a plus one item a magic item, yes or no? Depends okay. on the plus one. Yeah. Okay. That's just one because that, that may be a topic for another time. I want to save that one for later. Uh, but, no, I, I can see what it says. It, it really does revolve around the player. Um, but, but as a DM, I loved coming up with stuff for it. Because when I first started DMing back in um, the first Adventures Guild, I had very structured, very this is what I want to get done type things. By now, if I were to run the Adventures Guild again, it would be a, okay, I have this is what's going to happen. This is where they start. So more of Let a module based. Yeah, uh, very much a, a very short, this is where you're going to go, have fun in that area, just get to that last point, get to those things. And and I let my players go wild. And that it allowed me to improv a lot more. I had maybe a short list of things that might go on. Right. Um, or a, a dungeon pre-built for them to go into, but... They didn't necessarily have to do it in order to... If they came up with a creative way of solving my problem that I presented, by all means, we'll make this a very, very short thing. Yeah, right. and you, and you, and you and don't you don't put things like, okay, the next seven sessions, you need to find these seven keys to unlock this door because, you know, one of those people who found one of those seven keys is gone. may never show up again. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, I can uh, see that. And I had, a, I had an overarching storyline that... I'll, that shaped the world. Like if we had not stopped because of the pandemic yeah. and other things, we had just finished the first set, which was dealing with these avatars of an evil God. And one of the avatars ended up being something that was even worse. That now that we had characters that were getting up to fifth level and getting up to those higher levels, now we can deal with higher level stuff, higher yeah. level enemies and go into a second world shaping type thing where maybe because they attacked the city at one point. And that was another that was, downside. I didn't didn't think to mention. Because the, the the turnover rate. You sit down at a table, you're all level 1s when you start this. Your character's leveled up to level 5, level 6, whatever. Uh, next time you show up, you're the only one with a 5th or 6th level character. Everybody else is there is new. They restart or restarted. And, and yeah, or they restarted cuz they didn't like their character. And so you have to either create a new level one character and start over again. Yeah. Or the DM has to somehow make a, an adventure that's safe enough for those level ones, but gonna not gonna be completely walked through with a level six in the party, which Yeah. Which is it's just it was a struggle. Yeah. So, so that was one of my that was my like my one of my issues with Adventures Leagues. I think they're great. I think they're good at getting uh, new players introduced, um, which leads, honestly, here's to my other issue with them that I don't like, is I don't like the pre-gen character. No. I get uh, We've talked about in the past about how important a zero session is to any game. All right? It sets the standards. It sets the rules, the atmosphere of the whole thing. It should answer every... You should have every question about the campaign answered in that zero session by the time you finish your character. Right. By the time you hand your, your character sheet over to the DM to go, so he goes, yep, all right, everything looks good, you're good to, good to go. Um, but the pre-gens that they give some players, uh, it's bad for experienced players. All right, People who know, who have an idea of how they want to play it, but if you tell them, all right, hey, you're going to play this character, he's a lawful good uh, warlock, you got to follow by these rules, you're just kind of like, uh, no... And it kind of ruins it ruins that. 
but it does give the chance for new players. I think that Adventures Leagues are, or Guilds, Leagues, whatever, are great for the new player. And that's why you need them out there. I think they're very important because they help players kind of get introduced to the game. You don't always have to go in there and buy a book. Obviously, you can find PDFs online. I'm not telling you how to do it. You can find the information. I said I use D&D Wiki for a lot of my stuff for the things I don't have. But uh, it allows players to kind of come in and sit down with experienced people and get that information to be able to uh, kind of like come to terms with things quickly. Because somebody, everybody in here, has something has one class or something that they're really good at. You've got the bard. You've got I'm not sure what yours is because I see you behind the screen. The forever more than I DM, see yeah, yeah, the forever DM. That's actually another bane to the adventures leagues. You get DM burnout because some people get stuck oh, yeah. being the DMs all yeah. the time, so they get burnt out. Uh, more, but then you have me, who's a warlock guy who knows so much about the warlocks. So like, hey man, you're gonna want to do this for a fun one. Hey, do you want to? How do you want to play your warlock? Let me tell you. So each of us has that experience to share with the new players. Um, I think you do. I absolutely believe you need uh, you need those those class uh, th- those adventures leagues. But I think there's a lot of bad sides to them. Yeah. So uh, that, that was, but but in our current world, the way you know. People's schedules work and, and yeah. those kind of things. Um, that is also some some people's only option. Yeah. Um, especially you know when what we played what two years in a store, three years in a store mm-hmm. before we, we ever went yeah. bef- before we ever went to some, one of our houses to play. I mean, you don't want people you just met in your house. That's just yeah the way the world works sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, so, they're so, certain, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Those, you know, get in, get out, no commitment type situations for a store-based game is pretty much the way it's got to go. Now, all of us being, you know, homebrew world, homebrew story, create your own character, create your own adventure type people, yeah, we're not going to like the, the pre-gen characters or the, you know, the scripted Okay, this week's module says we've got to do this, and we have two hours to get it done. So you know, there's there's a lot to do. So we don't want any side talk or whatever because we got to get through this. Yeah, uh, which, which is what, what happens in a lot of the, the a lot of those. Unfortunately, is you know, it's I, I thinking it, that if we were to have to start doing that, how much fuckery goes on at our table? Oh <laughs> with, man. Yeah. It, we I, would get nothing done, and every, every session would just end. How all right? So. Let's say you have to do the league campaign. Uh, you have to do an Adventures Guild campaign right now. You you've been tasked to set out uh, as a DM. Now, as a DM, you now I'm telling you as a player is now you have to DM uh, an Adventures uh, Guild thing. What is one rule that you would set up to help help kind of coattail and make sure it's a good Adventures Guild? Well, one of the rules that I had uh, was the the level cap that. If you had a level five, and all that came that day were level ones, but you ran out of your characters, you only have a certain number of characters. That way, people can't walk in with eleven characters and go, "Okay, what are we doing?" Oh, I'm going to take this one because okay. it's the best suited for this. Now, I want you to use a ca- the character that you are now familiar with. Right. But if you had that, I would go, "Okay, make a one shot character, just level two, do it, and then crumple up the paper after." Couldn't I just like? scale myself down to level two, only use level two abilities? The problem with that is that some people forget. Some people will then go, wait, this was level four. I don't want to level everything up. I'm just going to 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, and that that helped keep the missions in a certain range. So that when we had those drop in drop outs, uh, it wasn't as bad. When we were bigger and I had multiple DMs running instead of just one. One person could run a small table, one person could run a big table. But I think the biggest rule advantage I had was if you have a table that doesn't have enough players, make a character for that one game and then crumple it up after. Yeah. All righty, Loke. You, yeah. you have to implement one rule at your Adventurer's Guild table to make sure it's the best it can be. What are you in- implementing? See, if, if I were running an Adventurer's Guild, I think my Adventurer's Guild would be much more of a a series of one shots. <laughs> it's like, okay, everybody's here. I feel like running a level eight game. Everybody make a level eight character. Okay. And that's, that's the way I would run. Cause the, the pop in pop out thing for me, it, it is too complicated to do the sequential. Yeah. Now the sequential is what every, once you get hooked into D and D, everybody wants the campaign base. They want that, to develop their character, to learn more about them, to yeah. that that is that is the go- eventual goal. I just don't think you can get that in that yeah. free form session. It's it's hard because those characters um, they live from mission to mission instead of right. they're living month to month. And a campaign, uh, one session could be the course of over several months versus a a, a Ventures Guild type mission is only going to be maybe a couple days. So what is your character doing in the off time? I don't think there's enough time spent in Adventures Guilds for the off time. You know, whether you're out there practicing hobbies and stuff like that, it's almost like you're sit- your character sitting in stasis. Like you haven't logged into your account forever, and when you do, you, bu- you realize that you have like 30 unopened messages with loot. And, and that also, like I said, if you have a person who's first time ever showing up, so you're making them a level one character, and you have eight people show up, who or seven people show up who are all... Weekly people who show up every week, they're all level nine. Are you going to tell that one person, sorry, you can't play? Yeah. No, uh, I, no. I, I, you, I think you, that's You have them roll up a level eight character and join the join the fun. No, I think that's <laughs> that's pretty good. I The only issue I, like I see with that is um, so level eight's a very hard level. Yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff. Like uh, once you get past fifth level, that's when things start getting complex. Um, right, here's my rule. I don't want to see technology. Unless you're the DM. And here's why. Because the DM's going to have like a crap ton of notes. Uh, when I DM, I actually do a lot of my stuff because I'm, I'm naturally a doodler. I doodle everywhere I go. Uh, so I write down notes every day. If you look at my desk in my house, in my studio, it's got like a bunch of notes that are all across different envelopes or papers. Uh, the reason I say no technology is that I want people to be focused on the game. Uh, Bolg was talking about it earlier. Uh, with our group, sometimes the conversations go yeah. in multiple different directions. And that's fine. And I'm okay with you guys wanting to have a little sidebar here and there, but I think with technology, and we talked about this, I think, in a, in, a, in one of the earliest episodes of the podcast, is that we had uh, we had an issue with some sometimes technology players are, are they're also relying too much on technology, mm-hmm. and when they're not the DM, so it's like, oh, I don't know what my spell is. Um, let me let me Google it, and then the Wi-Fi goes down, so they're sitting there and you're waiting for them forever, and you're like, come on, man. It's fireball. It's three d six. Come on, or something like that. Uh, I want to see a less reliance on technology and more on the books. Um, not, yeah, I'm the opposite. <laughs> like, well, as a DM, like I said, it's it's one thing if you're a DM because you got a lot more that you're trying to. But the technology is so much faster. 
Is it though? So, so I've seen issues where people are sitting there scrambling right. for spells, right. Because they can't find it. But that comes with not being prepared for your turn and not having. <laughs> the All right, right, but if technology. you're sitting on if you're sitting on your face if you're sitting and scrolling through Facebook and not waiting yeah, on your turn, exactly. But it like I have on my uh, phone an app called Spellbook Burn, right? Which has and it has a search function. So so I can I hit search here, type the word fire. And conjure bonfire, conjure firebolt, all these right. spells come up. I can filter them by level. So you know, and, and I get the exact text out of what is in the. And that's and that's okay. But like boom, I said, sometimes got, what if the app bugs out right. and you can't load it up because it, it's it yeah. needs an it's pending an update or something like that. And you have people that are. Yeah. I I get complacent with the spells and I get favorite spells per my caster that I like to cast. With my Warlock, it was uh, the Summon Demon spell because I wanted a, somebody else to fight with me. And so I never had to worry about any other spell. I knew what I was going to cast going in. Um, and they make physical cards you could buy yeah, for each I don't even spell. Say, I don't even say you have and, to get physical cards yeah. or print your own stuff. What I, I like I to do... the books are too slow. The book is a little too slow. I think if you have a spell... Mm-hmm. Um, what I do with my spells and when I teach new players about this is like whenever you take a spell, I want you to write down, don't write down what it what the damage is or anything like that. I want you to write, unless it's a cantrip. Cantrips are the only ones that I'll tell you to write down the damage because it really doesn't change very much. Um, but with certain spells, like once you get into like, let's say color spray or something like that, I was like, write down the page number and the book you found it in. So if it's a Xanthar's Guide spell, it's going to go XGE, page 172. And that way I know, okay, hey, this spell, I already know what the name of the spell is, so I know to find it in alphabetical order, so I go to page 172 in Xanthar's, and there's so-and-so spray. And so that's what I tell people to do. And uh, Bolg is right. Some people are just ill-prepared, but I think that's, yet again, with the technology, they're sitting there scrolling through Facebook. With larger parties, and we've talked about this as well in the previous podcast, is that larger parties, it's hard. It's hard to always kind of like stay up to date because you may be ready to take on the enemy over there, but then three of your friends are are nuking that thing down, so now you're like, oh, I I can't do anything anymore. But I think, and it's only for the Adventurers Guild. Like in a campaign setting, I think technology is definitely a little bit better. But in an adventurer's guild, I think it's more applicable to have people not use technology. What do you think, Polk? No, um, I'm torn because I'm stuck in between. I love having the books there in front of you. I think that's the perfect way to get them because if you just have all the information at your fingertips, you're going to find what you need without looking at the context of what you need in terms of the greater... Uh, yeah. rule set but at the same time it does take a while to get through that stuff and all that kind of stuff so if you're sitting there and you just need a snap uh, decision or a snap yeah. uh, information it's right there I don't even use paper character sheets anymore I, I, like, I use the character sheet as an app on my phone I, and I'm I, like uh, I said I'm, I'm I, I don't <laughs> mind that like I yeah. have the character sheets on my Surface Pro here at work uh, that I enjoy yeah. Because I can update it, and then it'll automatically calculate totals and stuff for me, and I'm fine. But then again, like I said, you're into that issue where technology fails. What yeah. happens? Uh, you know, not we can't have enough chargers for everybody's tablet out there. Whose yeah. tablet's going to die first? Yeah. Um, who gets priority over the charger because uh, somebody has an outdated piece of junk, or they just want to be the yeah. the jerk, niggle wart? That's right. You you. 
Bog's dad is very terrible at, at hogging the charger. Um, and we can throw this one over to him and let him hear that. But it's it's one of those deals that I I think technology it's great. I I, I am fine with it yeah. in a campaign, but in an adventures guild setting, I think I think and, it's and that's part of part of being prepared and, and knowing you're like uh, I know one of our one of our players in our current campaign has been doing an evaluate. They got sold, then bought the the D and D Beyond version. Yeah. And we're trying to use, and and they've been very frustrated because they, it's different than what they're used to. It's it's not as user friendly as the one that they used before. And it's personal experience. I'm not saying they're bad. <laughs> yeah. If they want to advertise, <laughs> yeah. but uh, not a sponsor. But please, yeah, yeah. sponsor um, us, please. But uh, you know, if it's just not what he's used to, and so it takes him longer, and it's harder for him to find what he's looking for. Uh, so yeah, you get both sides of that, but it. it being part of being prepared for the campaign and making sure your device is charged, making sure you know how the app works, making sure you you know you've loaded it in so it doesn't need Wi-Fi. That it is something yeah. that's already been if it's got I, a download to it. And, and I'm uh, absolutely like I said, it's not that I, like, and it's only for the Adventures Guild yeah. that I'm talking this uh, because if you're in a campaign, most likely you're going to do a little bit of research. You may be like, hey, look, I know that they were talking in Chef Bolg and Pirate Captains how they should effectively use this spell. Let's hear what they have to say as an argument. Just throwing that out there for you listeners. Um, but it's, and actually, while we're doing this show, I actually have the Spellbook Burned app open on my phone. I have so the D&D when, wiki. Yeah so, yeah, so when we... I have a hard copy of the rule set for my adventures. <laughs> yeah. Guild. I mean, so, we, yeah. we, we've, so we've effectively yeah. hit the spectrum. Yeah, so when, you know, when, if you, I need to know how, how much damage a fireball does, I could actually pull it right there, you know, and that's, that's the way I, that's the way I DM. I use apps while I'm DMing to track initiative. I mean, I do it all with the technology these I, days. I, I don't uh, want, I don't want to take away from technology. Yeah. Like I think it's great in campaign settings where you're going to be more of a sit down stuff. I just think when I'm trying to keep people corralled, if I'm waiting, if I've got a table of four and it's me and these four players and that one player is constantly trying to find but those I think things, that same player would be the one that doesn't have his pages bookmarked in his player's handbook. Yeah. He doesn't know what page his spell on, Bob, and he'd be it, still he'd be sitting there all righty, so, flipping pages instead of clicking on the phone. So right. here's a follow-up, and, and feel free to, to fire back at this, but is that too much of a rule requirement as a DM to make sure that you have some sort, that you show some sort of preparedness at, for a player? If you're going to play in my Adventures Guild or my campaign, that you have to show that you are, you don't have to have every book. You know, there's enough players with books that you can pass around books, but if you don't have the book, you must have, like, hey, your pa my pages are marked or my spells are written down on the back of this piece of paper or something like that. Is that too much as a DM? Is that asking too much as a DM? Well, I actually... I oh, have, man, they, they're, they're fired up about this I one. I have, in my rules for the original AG, uh, my house rules, and the first one is as follows... It may come as no surprise with the rules of the game of D&D. A shocker, yes. The AG has a few house rules, both in-game and at the table, that DMs and players alike must follow. First, don't be a dick. <laughs> it should be a no-brainer, but treat everyone, regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender, or mental physical limitations, as a human being. We get it, arguments and issues arise, but don't resort to insults and belittling each other. If in doubt, just be nice. Also, don't take your time. This is a long game. Don't make it longer by not having your spells and attacks prepared. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's not unreasonable, but I believe it might be unrealistic. I, look, like if I sit down, like if I'm sitting down at a table, um, let's say we're doing a campaign. Yeah. You should are like if we're getting ready to start, you shouldn't be leveling up your character from the last session. Correct. Okay. So uh, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. should I ask you to be somewhat prepared before you even sit down at my table? Don't sit I, down and tell me you're ready, and then in the middle of something. Um, you're still scrolling down because you're trying to find that spell that you thought of at the last minute. Yep. Um, tell me where I'm wrong. Especially in a campaign that that is not unreasonable and probably realistic. The thing is with the like the the flow in and out nature of these adventurers guild type games, it may not be unreasonable, but I believe it probably would be unrealistic because there's going to be that percentage person who's this is their one and only session they've been there. And that that's just what they're going to be. Yeah. I well then I, I and I I still kind of stand on this. Like I'm yeah. not saying that I I'm not willing to bend, but I still yeah. believe in the fact that we should have some sort of preparedness. Mm-hmm. So uh, like if an adventures guild starts up, I think there should be even before the first campaign, uh, the for, first mission starts for the adventures guild, um, there should be like a mini zero session where everybody kind of gets caught up, where you take the time from last session to make sure that everything that you have is set and ready. Um, something that I thought we were we were trying to get implemented into our Adventures Guild was we were actually going to give you item cards for the stuff that you had. I have copies here of this book. I, I tell you, that was going to be great. Um, where we would issue you out, you had somebody that was your that was the broker, and they were going to hand you back out your inventories. They were holding the, your stuff in the armory. You couldn't just walk around town with uh, your weapons, in a sense. That way, we could. That way you weren't kind of like cheating the system and yeah. last week you came back, last week you only had a plus one, but now you got a plus three sword and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. And uh, that yeah. that worked in theory. We had some people walk off with some cards after showing up for a couple sessions and... Yeah, but that's where we needed the broker idea. But that, but the idea is, is we have that zero session, like a, it's an hour before where everything kind of gets like settled out, all right? So that way when we sit down at the table and we start... The next level of Adventures Guild, where each of us is a DM, there's no players that are coming up to us and going, well, I don't. and I get it. Now you're probably going to say, well, what if somebody can't show up on time or something like that? Um, I get that, but you need to, you well, know, you're going to probably have to miss that campaign. You're that also mission. most of the most of these organizations are completely volunteer. I mean, some stores may be paying their DMs to host and run this stuff. Like, who the hell is doing that and we're not getting paid? (laughs) But most are volunteers, people who love the game, are setting this up. And, and, you know, it's not their job in most cases. Um, But even if it's not your job, there are some people that still showed up um, that did an amazing job. And that's what I'm saying. But it's it's all voluntary, volunteer work. So sometimes, you know, to, to hope to have the storekeeper, somebody who's running the overall league, these six people who are going to DM a great game for these people and keep the the, the new people happy enough that they're going to come back every week so that your guild doesn't just die off. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you got to deal with the person who wants to play with their phone while they're... While they're playing the yeah. game, uh, I, I know I, it was. It, it, it's gotten a long way, like but said, it was it, a technology thing. It's not that I'm anti-technology. Right. I love technology. I work in a in a multi-million-dollar radio and, studio. And, and like I said, you're, you're. It's reasonable. It is completely reasonable. I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think it will ever happen. <laughs> oh well, you yeah. know what's reasonable right now? It's the end of the show. 
We've been out here for another hour there, Bogue Best Buddy, and my our newest bestest buddy, Loke. Oh, he's like bestest yeah. buddy diet, though. He's, he's not as... It's <laughs> just number one three! Number three! <laughs> <laughs> it is the end of the show. I appreciate everybody out there that's listening. Make sure you guys come find us on Facebook. It's the Bogue and... Uh, Chef Bogue and Pirate Captain on Facebook. You can email us at bogueandpc at gmail.com. Come tell us what you like. Share this with your friends. Leave a comment wherever you're listening to. Give us your homebrews. Give us oh, your Absolutely. Stories. Give us your rules. <laughs> yeah, tell us what you think about the uh, about the, what you would do to change uh, your adventures, like Lee tell or us we're wrong, Please yeah. go ahead, argue with us. We'll take your we'll take your comments, uh, gripes, bitches, complaints, and messages. Uh, but with that being said, say goodbye, Bog. Goodbye, Bog. All righty, guys. We'll catch you in the next episode.